0: السلام alaikum, ورحمة wa barakatuh.
1: الله أكبر الله أكبر. الله أكبر أشهد أن محمد سيدنا I al and
0: In alhamdulillah La, in Alhamdari La, he named who wants to who wants to وَنُؤْمِنُ بِهِ وَنَتَوَكَّلُ عَلَيْهِ وَنَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْ شُرُورِ أَنْفُسِنَا وَمِنْ سَيِّئَاتِ أَعْمَالِنَا مَنْ يَهْدِهِ اللَّهُ فَلَا مُضِلَّ لَهُ وَمَنْ يُضْلِلْ فَلَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ سَيِّدَنَا مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ يَقُولُ اللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَا فِي كِتَابِهِ الْكَرِيمِ Ya ayyuhallathina amanu attaquullaha haqqa tukatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimoon Ya ayyuhallathina amanu attaquullaha wa koolu qawlaan sadeida yuslih lakum a'amalakum wa yaghfir lakum dhunubakum wa man yutai wa rasulahu fakada faza fawzaan azimah Ama ba'du fa inna asdakal hadithi kitabullah wa khayra al-hadi hadi sayidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam wa sharra al-umuri muhtathathuha wa kullu muhdathatin bid'a wa kullu bid'atin dalalah wa kullu dalalatin fi an-nar a'adana Allahu wa iyyakum minha ajma'in amma ba'd dear brothers and sisters it was in the 10th year after the hijra on the day of Arafah there was a man accompanying the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam on the Hajj at Arafah on a camel. And while he was there on that blessed day, the man fell off his camel. The camel tossed him off. And as he landed on the ground, the camel stomped on him. Crushing his neck, snapping it. He died right there on the spot on the day of Arafah during the Hajj. And after this happened, the Messenger of Allah said, Bathe his body with water and with sidr and bury him with both of his garments on. Do not cover his head and do not touch him with kafur, with camphor. For verily, he will be returned to Allah on the day of judgment in a state of talbiya as he is resurrected, proclaiming, لَبَّيْكَ allahumma لَبَّيْكَ This is recorded by Imam al-Bukhari and Muslim. Dear brothers and sisters, in the last two weeks we've been speaking about tawfiq, divine success, and how to get it. And we've also been speaking about the opposite of divine success. khudlan, the opposite of tawfiq, to be forsaken, to be left to our own devices. And we spoke about the causes of tawfiq and the signs of tawfiq and the causes and signs of its opposite, being forsaken. And today, insha'Allah ta'ala, we want to speak about the greatest tawfiq ever the greatest form of divine success a person can receive. And that is to die in a good state. And we also want to talk about the opposite of that. The worst possible thing a person can receive, which is to die in a bad state. سُوءُ الْخَاتِمَ عِنْدَ الموت. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, said, Actions are governed by what seals them. Actions are determined by how they end. So, Husnul Khatima عند الموت, having a good end at the time of death, is the greatest victory and the greatest blessing a person can have. And the scholars of Islam define Husnul Khatima as the condition of the servant at the end of his or her life, when Allah gives them the ability to be upright, to do righteous works, to repent, and to be in a state that is pleasing to Allah Ta'ala when their soul leaves their body. That is the definition of husnul khatima, having a good end at the time of death. Now a couple of weeks ago we were reflecting on the hadith of Sayyiduna Anas ibn Madik radiyallahu anhu in which he related that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wasallam said إِذَا أَرَادُوا bi بِعَبْدِهِ khayran إِسْتَعْمَلَهُ When Allah wants good for a servant, He utilizes him, He puts him to use and the companion says, they said, Ya Rasulullah اللَّهُ كَيْفَ يستعمله? How is it that Allah utilizes that person? He says وسلم, لعمل صالح قبل موتى. Allah gives that person the ability to do righteous actions before their death. That is being put to good use. That is being utilized by Allah Ta'ala for the one whom Allah wants good for. Now, حسن الخاتم having this good end at the time of death it is mentioned in the book of Allah in the Qur'an Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ قَالُوا رَبُّنَا اللَّهُ ثُمَّ اسْتَقَامُوا تَتَنَزَّلُوا عَلَيْهِمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ أَلَّا تَخَافُوا وَلَا تَحْزَنُوا وَأَبَشِرُوا بِالْجَنَّةِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ تُوَعَدُونَ Allah ta'ala says, those who said, Our Lord is Allah, and then they were upright. Upon them the angels descend at the time of death. And those angels give them the glad tidings, saying to them at the time of their death, "Allah ta'ala wa la Fear not, and grieve not. Do not be afraid. Do not have any grief, and receive the glad tidings of jannah that you were promised. May Allah make us of these people. Allah ja'anna minhum amin. Those people who, when their soul is about to leave their body, they behold those angels bringing the glad tidings to them, addressing them, as Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in this verse. Fear not and grieve not and receive the good news of Jannah that you were promised. May Allah make us of those people. That is the Husun Khatima. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi wasallam says in a famous hadith he says that whosoever loves to meet Allah Allah loves to meet that person and whosoever dislikes to meet Allah Allah dislikes to meet that person now when you hear this hadith you may wonder does that mean that I have to welcome death? And if so, how do I reconcile that with my survival instinct? No one wants to just die on the spot. A person has a certain a bit of antipathy or a certain bit of trepidation with regards to death. And when this hadith, when the Messenger of Allah وسلم, said this, it puzzled his beloved wife, the mother of the believer, Sayyida Aisha Radiallahu Anha. She was puzzled by this. And she asked him, Ya Nabi Allah, Aqarahiyatul mawt? Fakulluna nakrahul mawt. She says, but everyone dislikes death. How do we understand this, what you said, in light of the fact that we have an instinct to dislike death? And the Prophet وسلم, answered her by saying, Laysa walakin al Ida Bushi Rabi Rahmati Lahi Waridwani wa Janatihi Ahabali ka Allah wa inna al kafira eda bushira bi adabila wa sahati kari ka allah wa karihullahuli kaa. He says Salahwa Alihi wa adi wa sallam That's not the case when the believer is giving glad tidings of Allah's mercy and good pleasure at that time of death then they love to meet Allah in that state. And when the disbeliever receives the ill tidings of Allah's punishment and chastisement, he dislikes to meet Allah and so Allah dislikes to meet him. So this hadith is framed in the context of having a good end at the time of death. Dear brothers and sisters, one of the central teachings of our deen is that the proverbial wheel is always turning. And we don't know where it's going to stop. We don't know the state that we're going to leave the world in. We don't know the condition we will be in as we leave this dunya and transition into the hereafter. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, warned us about this. And he said that a servant will do the works of the people of Jannah until there's just a short distance between them and Jannah when the destiny written by Allah overtakes them, and then they begin to do the actions of the people of hell, and then their soul is taken in that moment and they enter hellfire. And then there are certain servants who do the actions of the people of Jahannam, the actions of the people of hell, until there's nothing between them and hell but a very short distance, a handspan, but then the destiny overtakes them that Allah has written for them and they begin to do the actions of the people of Jannah, and they die in that state, and thus they enter Jannah. One of the ways this hadith has been explained, dear brothers and sisters, is that the actions of people are considered evil sometimes by how they're perceived by other people, or their actions are considered good because of how they're perceived by other people. However, there's often something hidden. There's something hidden within people. There are, there's something hidden sometimes in those who are doing good outwardly. And sometimes there's something hidden in those who appear to be doing bad. And that hidden thing is what manifests towards the end of their life. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ has drawn our attention to this paramount concern of the final sealing state of the individual at the time of their death. What really matters is how we leave this world. What matters is whether or not the person has the good end, the beautiful end at the time of death or the evil end at the time of death. I want to give you an example to reflect on the importance of having that good end. Consider a person goes and makes wudu. It's time for dhuhr prayer. They make wudu. They stand and face the qibla. They utter the takbir, Allahu Akbar. And they pray dhuhr. One raka'ah, two raka'ahs, three raka'ahs, four raka'ahs. And now in the fourth raka'ah, they're sitting in the tashahud. They're sitting in the tashahud and they are uttering the final part of as salatul Ibrahimiyyah. Allahumma بارك على Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama على ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidul Majid and right at that moment as they're uttering the final phrase of the tashahud they break their wudu before they uttered the salams they broke the wudu before they were able to say assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah what is the status of that prayer the status of that prayer is that it is batil it is invalid it has been invalidated because they broke their wudu while they were in the prayer it doesn't matter if the person broke their wudu right after the first takbir or right before the taslim if they break their wudu at any stage of the prayer the prayer is invalidated so this is the example of salat what about a person's life outwardly they do everything right. They look the look, right? But at the final moment before they leave this world, something happens internally and they, and they have a bad state at the end of their life. It's like they broke the wudu right at the end of the salat before the taslim of assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Everything before it is now invalidated, canceled out. And that person has a bad end, with billah. Dear brothers and sisters, when we talk about this topic of husnul Khatima and al khatimah, the evil end and the good end, we want to understand what are the signs of the good end and the signs of the bad end, and what are the means of having a good end at the time of death. And as is the way of the early generations of the Muslims, we would speak about the evil end in detail before we talk about the good end in detail so we can end on a positive and hopeful note. So to attain good, you have to know about evil so you can distinguish between the two. So what is an evil end and how does it happen? And what does it look like? The ulama defines al Khatima as the condition of a servant who at the end of their life, when Allah doesn't give them the ability to be upright or to do righteous works or to repent, or to be in a good state when their soul leaves their body. That is the su'al Khatima. When the person dies, for instance, while they are engaged in a haram. Imagine a person who is going and engaging in a heinous haram action, and as they're doing it, they slip in the bathroom and they crack their head open and they die while they're engaged in the haram. That is an evil end. And contrast that to the person who dies in Sajdah, or the person who dies when doing something righteous. There are many examples of al Khatima, having an evil end. Ibn Qayyim mentions in Al Jawab Al Kafi, several examples of an evil end. He mentions that during his time, there was a man who, when he was on his deathbed and people, his family were telling him to utter the Shahada, he would say to them, What good will it do? I haven't prayed a single prayer to Allah. He tells us of another person in his time in Damascus who was a a well-known cloth merchant. He was selling cloth. And as he was on his deathbed, as his family were gently telling him to say, La ilaha illallah, all he could say was, That one's two for one. That's a good deal. This cut of cloth is good, that cut of cloth is bad, this is a good deal, two for one, get it now while you can. He's just uttering everything he uttered as he was engrossed in his business during this life. That's all he could say. Going a little bit back in history, before Ibn Qayyim, we have a very famous story mentioned by Ibn Jawzi. And this is a different kind of evil end because it happens some years before the final end but it shows you what happens after years go by, how things can quickly turn. Ibn al-Jawzi mentions that in the year 270, after the Hijrah, there was a man named Abdu Ibn Abdul Rahim, and he was a mujahid. He was a warrior in one of the Muslim armies fighting against the Byzantine Empire. And he fought for a very long time and had a very prestigious career in the army. And during one of the battles, they had surrounded a town. And towns back then were surrounded by large walls and gates. So it was a stalemate. And they're outside of the walls. And as they're stationed out there for a while, he notices this young woman walking across the rooftop of one of the homes. She catches his eye, and he becomes enamored with her. And he begins to communicate with her privately when no one else is around shouting at the top, and he asked her, how can I be with you? I want to be with you. And she says, if you want to be with me, I'll open the door, but you you have to become a Christian, because these are Christians. So he decided then and there, because he wanted this woman, that he would leave Islam and convert to Christianity so she could open the door and he could go inside and be away from his Former brothers and just get with this woman. So he converted to Christianity. She opened the door one night, he got inside secretly and he got married to her. And some days later, the Muslim soldiers on the other side saw their former friend and warrior walking around on the other side. And eventually, nothing came of that embargo, nothing happened. But those same warriors came back to that village about 10 years later. When they came back to the village 10 years later, they were looking for their old friend. What happened to our friend, Abdu? What happened to him? And they're going around inside this city and they eventually find Abdu, Ibn Rahim, And he looks different. And he's, they say to him, what's wrong with you? Why don't you come back with us? He says, I can't do that. I'm, I'm married, I'm settled, I have children, I have a business here. And they say, what happened to your iman? What happened to your knowledge? What happened to your Quran? What happened to all of that? And this man said to them, I forgot all of that. But all I remember is a verse of the Quran. I remember just one verse of the Quran. And in that verse, it is, رُبَّمَا يَوَدُّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَوْ Allah Ta'ala says, perhaps those who disbelieve will wish that they could be Muslims. So leave them to eat and to take delight and be distracted by their lengthened hopes. They will soon come to know. So this is a story of an evil end that happened. It played out years before that person died. There's many examples like this, dear brothers and sisters. A person might live their life For years, engaged in a lifestyle that is distant from Allah Ta'ala. And they think in the back of their mind that they'll be good when they get older. They think that they'll be pious once they've sown their wild, wild oats. They think that once I get all the haram out of my system, then I'll become righteous. But what guarantee do they have, or we have, or anyone has, that they're going to live even to the next breath? There's no guarantee. The person thinking that they have time to get better when they become an old man, while they continue in a life of disobedience to Allah, this is like the person who never exercises, never eats right, never takes care of their health, but they think that when they become older, because they've watched all of those boxing matches on TV, they can eventually go into the ring and they will perform. You will not rise except to the level of your own training. And this man has no training. He's going to be defeated. So when a person is dying, they tend to fall back on what occupied most of their time in this life. They will tend to fall back on what they focused on when they were healthy, when they were able-bodied. They fall back on what they know. Dear brothers and sisters, there is a, a modern author who many years ago wrote several books. His name is Abdul Malik Qasim. And he wrote books basically collecting stories from people he encountered uh, in his country of origin. And in one of those books, he details stories about different police officers he talked to, Muslim police officers. He asked them about their experiences with people who were dying in horrific uh, accidents on the highway. And in these stories, he mentions that some of these police officers told him that on one occasion, They were called to the scene of an accident in the middle of nowhere. And as they get there, they see that this guy is going to die. He's bleeding out. He's not going to make it. There's no way they'll get them to the hospital soon enough. So they proceed to give him the talqeen. They tell him to say, La ilaha illallah. He's going to die. And they said, he couldn't say, La ilaha illallah. All he could do was sing the current song that was in the top 20 during that period. It was some Michael Jackson song. All he could do was sing the lyrics of a Michael Jackson song, and that's how he left this world. Because that's how he lived in the world. And the same police officer said, on another occasion, they were called to an accident, and there was a young man, the car was overturned, he was bleeding out, and they knew he was going to die. There was not enough time, so they began to do the talqeen, telling him to say, La ilaha illallah. And he very easily said, La ilaha illallah, over and over again and then he began to recite the Qur'an, and then he died. Allah took his soul while reciting the book of Allah. And they later found out why. That young man who died, where was he? He was in between villages. He lived in a big city. He was a student. And on the weekends, he would take his old, used, beat-up car, he would load it with some books and treats and snacks, and he would drive to different villages, and delivered those things to young children. And as he was driving, all he was doing is doing muraja, reviewing the Quran that he's memorizing. And so when he gets into the accident, what happens? He falls back on exactly how he was living his life beforehand. So the husn khatima is usually sealing what we were doing before, what was our norm. That is the husn khatima, dear brothers and sisters. There are several videos you can find online, floating around. This one dies in sajda, this imam dies in sajda, or this one dies while reciting Qur'an, or this person or that person dying in the haram. There's many of those you can find online. But husnul khatima doesn't just appear in these amazing inns that we read and hear about. The husnul khatima happens every single day to those ordinary believers who remain flawed but humbled who try their best day in and day out to live a life that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who at the end of their life, they leave this world in a state of dhikr and shukr, remembrance and gratitude. They died doing good, or they died during an auspicious time. Now, we can't plan our deaths. We don't know when we're going to die, but we're certain to die. As Allah ta'ala tells us, Worship your Lord until death overtakes you So we cannot plan our deaths But we can live our lives As if that comes at any moment Hoping that we die As we live in a way that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala May Allah bless all of us With that tawfiq khatima al The good end at the time of death And may Allah protect all of us From that worst of khudlan al khatima The evil end at the time of death Amin, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen Allahumma salli wa sallam La ilaha in Allah Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Amma ba'd Dear brothers and sisters as we've mentioned a couple of times already in the hadith of huzaifa bin yaman radiyallahu anhu we want to know what leads to a bad end just as we want to know what leads to a good end so we start with the signs of a bad end and then we talk about the signs of a good end and how we can get it among the signs of a bad end or the things that lead to a bad end at the time of death is having corrupt beliefs about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophets or matters of the unseen having beliefs about allah or about his messengers or about the unseen that are not congruent with reality having corrupt ideas this means that a person must learn and understand and be grounded in their fundamental beliefs as a muslim so they can live their life according to that guidance Another sign or cause of a bad end is simply put, حُبُّ dunya, Having excessive love for the lower world that blinds one to reality. That blinds one and causes them to forget that this life is not as important as the next. Allah Ta'ala says, wa wara'hum Thaqila nay they love the present world and they put behind them a very heavy day that is coming that is a basic belief that all muslims have but it's a belief in the mind not always settled in the heart to know that the akhirah is of everlasting importance more than the temporary time we have in this world another cause of su'ul khatima, a bad end at the time of death is having qualities Inward qualities that negate one's ubudiyyah, one's being a servant of Allah. Such as arrogance, such as pride, such as conceitedness, such as envy and jealousy, such as looking down on others and thinking that one is so amazing. These negative qualities, if they are dormant in the heart, if they're not excised and removed, they could lead a person to having a bad end at the time of death. And lastly, of the signs of the evil end, is stubbornly persisting in the haram. It is one thing for a person to fall into sin. The Prophet ﷺ says, All the children of Adam are prone to error, but the best of those who err are those who repent. We're not talking about the sins that occur here and there that people struggle with and repent only to fall back into again and to repent again. We're not talking about those. We are talking about those haram compartments in people's lives where they knowingly, deliberately do those things over and over again with israr, with stubbornness, stubbornly sticking to that thing. And not trying to get it out of one's life, that can be a cause of an evil end at the time of death. What are some of the signs of a good end? Uttering the shahada at the time of death, the Prophet sallallahu says, "من كان آخر كلامه لا إله إلا الله دخل Whoever's last words are "La ilaha illallah" will enter Jannah. Likewise, being a hardworking person and dying with sweat on one's brow can be a sign of a good end as the prophet says Mu'mini is a sign of a good end the believer dying with sweat on his brow dying the night before friday or the day of friday can be a sign of a good end dying in battle الله, or dying from a plague or a stomach ailment or drowning or a collapsed building, or a fire, all signs of a good end. A woman dying during childbirth, or immediately after childbirth, this is a sign of a good end. These are the signs. So what are the means that we can take now to have that good end at the time of death? One of the means, dear brothers and sisters, is to try and have a clean heart towards the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We have in the famous hadith of al sahabi al jalil Abu Dhamdam. It was a very curious name and he wasn't a very famous companion, but the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said to the Muslims in the masjid one day, who of you cannot be like Abu Dhamdam? be like him? One of the companions spent time with him observing what he does that's so special. He observed that he doesn't pray more than anyone else. He doesn't fast more than anyone else. He is by all means ordinary compared to the Sahaba. And so he asks him what he does that's so different from others. And he says, I don't do anything special except that before I go to bed each night, I say to Allah Ta'ala, Allahumma inni qad wahabtu nafsi wa'rdi laka. Oh Allah, I, I give myself and my honor to you. I relinquish it. Meaning I let, grudges go. I let animosity go. If someone has angered me from the Muslims, I let it go. I just forgive them. I don't go to sleep with rancor in my heart towards other people. This is a sign, this is one of the means of a good end, dear brothers and sisters. Another sign or means of good end is constantly renewing our tawbah. We don't know when we're going to die. So what if you die right after you've made tawbah? Will you make the intention in your heart, yeah, Allah, I know I have sins, I can't even count them. And I ask you, O Allah, to forgive them, to remove them, and to inspire me so I never go back to them. Give me that resolve, and I make that intention right here and right now. I won't go back to them. Please forgive me. To so do that every night, to do that in the morning. If you die in that state, all oh, your sins have been forgiven. You made tawbah. The one who makes tawbah is like one who has no sin. And lastly, dear brothers and sisters, one of the means of having a good end at the time of death is memorizing and saying every single morning and evening the prophetic dua that everyone should memorize. It's a little long, but we should take the effort to memorize it and say it every morning and evening. And that is the dua known as Sayyidul istighfar or the master dua for seeking forgiveness. In the hadith recorded by Imam al-Bukhari and others, the du'a is Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa ant khalaqtani wa ana wa ana ala ahdika wa waadika ma a'udhu bika min sharri ma sana'at abu'u laka bi alayh wa abu'u bi faghfir li fa innahu la yaghfirul dhunuba illa ant Oh Allah, you are my Lord. There is no God but you. You created me and I am your servant and I uphold my covenant and I am faithful to your promise as much as I am able. I seek refuge in you from the evil that I have done and I acknowledge your blessings that you have bestowed upon me and I also acknowledge my sins so forgive me for none can forgive sins except for you. Learn that dua. You say it in the morning, the Prophet says, whoever says this dua in the morning and dies that day, dakhla al-jannah. And whoever says it in the night and dies that night, dakhla al-jannah. They enter jannah. They get a husn khatima, a good end at the time of death. May Allah grant all of us a good end at the time of death and protect us from an evil end at the time of death. May Allah make the best of our actions those that seal our life on this earth in a state that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that ushers us into the gardens of paradise being, being pleased and well pleased with رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْأَخِرَةِ عَذَابَ النَّارِ اللهم صَلِّ عَلَى سَيِّدِنَا مُحَمَّدٍ زَيْنِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ وَالْأَخْيَار سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين أقوم إذا صلاتكم